0: Hi, this is Larry Pasca, Executive Director of NCSS, the National Council for the Social Studies. This episode features an author published in an NCSS journal. Please enjoy. You're listening to Visions of Education. A podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus.
1: How often are you able to bring women woman in, into the classroom? No, I'm not talking about students. I'm talking about like historical women into the classroom.
0: Well, yeah, you're not talking about women students because as a, a male who works, you know, right now in elementary education, I'm often the only male in the classroom. And I've yeah. also been the only male in the classroom when I've taught gender and ed courses at a woman's university. So I tried to be very humble about <laughs> how I organized that curriculum. But it's a good question of like, you know, where do women show up? in our curriculum because i think when you think of like history classes it brings up that question of of people who were historically marginalized as women were you know as not full right. citizens who were able to participate in the politics and wars in the same ways that often define our textbooks so because they were oppressed and their options were limited in their own society does that mean that we don't include their stories
1: i know that so i'm going through my own world history curriculum and I talk about Catherine the Great because I think she's kind of awesome and what a story she has. But again, it's only when there are big names like Catherine, like Elizabeth, like Victoria, that women tend to really come into the class. And that's an issue.
0: It is an issue. It it really is an issue. And I think, you know, in recent years, people have been bringing up this issue. I know that there was a study done called Where Are the Women? A Report on the Status of Women in the United States Social Studies Standards by the National Women's History Museum recently. I think that was done in 2017. And they went through all the standards to see where women were represented in the standards. And the most common names were Rosa Parks, Susan B. Anthony, Harriet Tubman, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Sojourner Truth, Abigail Adams. You could keep going down the line, but there were some interesting findings. There's obviously a lot of shortcomings and gaps of where women show up in the curriculum. Particularly, no state had an Asian American woman listed in their standards in the United States. So 50 states had a shot at standards and none had an Asian American woman. That's like a big problem.
1: Yeah. It's interesting and you often think that our courses should be reflective of the people in the room and it seems like if we're not if we're doing a disservice there in the content we cover we're also doing a disservice to our students and then to also think about the fact that education in general is something that a lot of women do strive for that they do struggle with to get and i don't know i feel like we need to be covering this more and hopefully we'll have some people on who can talk to us through this a little bit
0: yeah i I really think NCSS should take the lead here and have a whole issue really dedicated to this topic and bring in some real experts. And guess what? We have some today.
1: So welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you. We're so happy to have you on. Do you mind Heather and Carolyn telling us a little bit about your background in education? Who are you?
2: I am an assistant professor at Coastal Carolina University, and I teach elementary methods There, I taught all subjects in the elementary school and I taught in Florida. And then I went to Indiana University for my PhD, and that's where I met Carolyn. And kind of it sparked my interest in elementary social studies and and my focus there. And we've been lucky enough to work together ever since, even though she's in Iowa and I'm in South Carolina. I
3: am an assistant professor at the University of Northern Iowa. Like Heather said, I also went to IU for my doctorate. Before that, I had taught middle school for four years, two in Kentucky and two in Indiana. And I taught a combination of English and social studies when I taught in middle school. So when I went to IU, I taught elementary social studies methods. And since I left IU, I've taught more middle level methods and curriculum classes at UNI and then at previous institutions where I taught as well.
0: Very cool. Can you guys tell us a little bit more about your your teaching experience for you? I always like to hear people's stories.
2: So like I said, I taught in Florida, and so I had a really diverse population that I was working with, and I I co-taught, and so I only taught social studies some of the time, and it kind of prepared me a little bit for my interest in integration because it was one of those situations where I had 2 hours to cover language arts and social studies. And 90 minutes was mandated to be language arts. And so I did a lot of integrating there, a lot of reading and writing with the social studies curriculum, because that's what I had time to do. And so I kind of was very familiar with the time constraints that elementary in particular face when approaching social studies education. But I did get to teach all subjects. And I just kind of always had a love for social studies. And now here I am.
3: I taught in two different schools when I was teaching. The one in Kentucky was actually a private school, and then I taught at a public school in Indiana. And it was both middle school, but at the private school, I taught seventh and eighth grade English. At the middle school, I started out sixth grade English and social studies and eventually moved to eighth grade history. And so even though integration isn't the same at middle level, there's still a lot of integration between the other teachers and other content areas. And so getting to work with, at one point, I was on a sixth grade team, and each of us taught one of the social studies classes. So we really worked together to plan those out and integrate other subjects in together and do a lot of interdisciplinary things.
0: This isn't our main topic for the day, but I'd love to hear any advice you have for uh, good integration techniques. I come from, I taught high school social studies, and I've worked with middle school and high school social studies teachers. And I'm now primarily working with elementary social studies teachers. I think that's the biggest challenge, is I'm so used to writing social studies lessons. So what would you say is the best tips you'd have just to help me with my own teaching of teachers?
3: Well, at the middle school level, a lot of what I teach is to talk to people with other in the other content areas. And that's a big thing that I do with my students, is have them meet with you know one social studies teacher, one math teacher, one English teacher, and one science teacher, and compare the standards and say, okay, these are the standards, so maybe we can integrate it into this topic or this theme and really try and bring it together that way. So at the middle level, that's kind of what we do is really work as a team to come up with, use strengths from each content area to come up with some integration.
2: Yeah. And at the elementary level, I teach my method students all about authenticity in their integration. So how can they use writing in real ways to learn the social studies content or interact with the social studies content whether it's letters or biographies or writing activities, speaking activities, researching activities, things that they would do in their own lives, kind of using reading and writing as a tool for exploring the social studies content.
1: Cool. So the January-February issue, you are published in the NCSS journal Middle Level Learning for an article titled, The Global Challenge of Equal Access for Girls to an Education, an Investigation Using Inquiry. Can you tell us a bit about that?
2: Yeah, this kind of grew out of a NCSS presentation that Carolyn and I did or poster presentation that we did in 2016, I believe. It was all about, I mean, really taking the inquiry arc, the C3 framework and developing a lesson where our students could understand girls' education and really do an inquiry into it framed by the Convention on the Rights of the Child so that they kind of get this idea of these are the right that children are supposed to have and these are some of the issues that are impeding these rights in different contexts. And then looking at each individual country, so we look at five countries in the lesson and different issues that girls face, the barriers they face to getting an education in those five countries. So we look at the five different countries so that Students get an idea of the barriers that girls face in each country and then bring that together at the end to more of a global context. So, what, they, what can they learn in these five instances, and then what generalizations or what ideas can they gain from that?
1: You mentioned the Convention of the Rights of a Child. What is that?
2: So, the Convention on the Rights of the Child um, grew out of the Universal Declaration for Human Rights, and it really just outlines several rights that children, any individual, birth to age 18, male or female, these are rights that these children should have.
3: And we should probably mention the U.S. is one of the few countries to not actually ratify the Convention on the Human Rights. Clinton signed it when he was president, but then Congress did not actually ratify it. So it is not recognized by the U.S., even though it is by the rest of the U.N.
0: I wonder, what what were the political disputes around not adopting the convention?
3: I think it had to do, and I think we mentioned in the article a little bit, but I think it had to do with U.S. sovereignty and not and thinking that this would trump U.S. sovereignty in some way. So, but the U.S. has not actually ratified it.
0: Hmm. Some people really don't like the U.N. Despite all their human rights and ch- children's rights declarations, you can't win them over with trying to gain rights, right? this is really interesting so this probably a lot of people are interested in this topic because of Malala right like she has brought a lot of attention to women's education around the globe was that a a kind of a way into this conversation do you think for students or you know what what background knowledge do people have to kind of start learning about it what countries did you feature
3: Um, I think that Malala is a good way to introduce because there's so much online I think the first thing we do is have students watch a video about Malala just to kind of awaken that background knowledge because most students have heard and then we moved to countries like Malawi, Liberia, Guatemala, India and Ethiopia because we tried to get different continents and then different areas of the world to kind of see that this is a global problem and like Heather said to bring it out globally from these five countries.
1: So I was looking through the article, and I saw that you did actually have the Convention of the Rights of the Child that seemed to be written in such a way that they were very easily understood. Did you rephrase them, or, or is that just how they are?
2: We actually found that on UNICEF's website. They have a, like a kid-friendly version. You can find kid-friendly versions of the, on the Convention of the Rights of the Child and on Universal Declaration of Human Rights pretty easily online.
1: So how would this lesson go in, in the classroom?
2: So we have this structured primarily through group work. We framed it through Malala because we wanted to kind of bring in some context that they are already a little bit familiar with. Most of our students have heard about Malala before. And so we start with that and we introduce the Convention on the Rights of the Child and we have them kind of explore. These are the rights kids are supposed to have and these are kind of my connections to that. Like, do I have this or do I think this is important and that sort of thing. So we start framing it very generally. And then we ask them just our compelling question, which is how can children's rights to an education be realized for girls around the world today? Because one of the things Malala says is this is not just my story. This is a story of lots of girls. And so they kind of, from there, they go into their five countries and each group goes to a different country and they look at the different barriers and there's guiding questions for each country and then at the end we come together in the class discusses that compelling question and then from there it's up to the teachers you know they make a conclusion and then they can go on to like performance tasks like maybe making a public service announcement for their school about what they've learned or making some sort of newscast or, or some sort of performance task to kind of communicate what they found. And that kind of is up to the teacher and the context and that sort of thing. But it the whole cycle is just that they have it framed with the Convention of the Rights of the Child, and then they look at each context and then come together for the compelling question.
0: It looks like a fantastic lesson. What I really like about these NCSS journals is that you have all the resources here, that they're, they're ready to go. Of course, you could adapt and change things if you want, but it gives you a lot, and, and it's interesting to look at the, the quotes and sources you used for each country, from you know Malawi to Liberia to Guatemala to India and to Ethiopia. One thing that I would wonder if students would have as they're making connections to this lesson, I think we often think of the United States as being a place where we're addressing all these issues perfectly. But I think there's some girls in the United States who don't get the quality of education they should get. Was that an extension that came up a lot to think in our local terms in our own communities are all young girls getting the education they deserve in the United States?
3: That's not something that we discussed much, but it's something that, you know, we talked about as far as maybe those would be questions that students would have as we went on. And that's something with, you know, the inquiry arc and taking informed action at the end is well, what do we research in our community? You know That can be the next step. And as we said earlier, taking it globally can also be shrunk to taking it locally. And so that's kind of something that students will probably ask those questions and then they can do that research and kind of think that through about their school or their community.
2: As I was thinking about this too, I think we focused on countries where just attendance in general, there's big barriers to attendance or even enrollment in school. And so I think that's why we just kind of included countries abroad. But I, I do love the idea of an extension in the local context and, and exploring some of the issues that girls or kids in general face locally.
0: So what advice? You, you wrote a, a good inquiry lesson and you did it on a really important topic of girls' access to school in different countries and around the world. What advice would you have for teachers who are looking to implement this or build their own inquiries on related or similar topics?
3: I think one of the things is finding good sources. That's what we spent a lot of time on. And the UN has some really good resources. I can't remember the name of it right now, but there's a UN Girls Education Initiative that has some really good resources about different countries to use. And I think that is the heart of the matter is in inquiry is finding good resources and teaching students how to evaluate it. We're actually presenting at this upcoming NCSS on evaluating sources for doing inquiry. We decided to just take that one little section of evaluating sources and really focus on that. And so, making sure students know how to find sources and how to evaluate them. And that's part of the things we recommend if your students aren't quite ready to find resources, then you can find them and then help them evaluate them. Or older middle level students really can do a lot of the hunting on their own for resources and find things in that way.
1: Sometimes I have a hard time hunting for sources too.
3: Yeah, it, it can be difficult. And I think we found some resources and I taught this with my pre-service teachers And we ended up changing the resources after that because they didn't work as well. There were some videos and some websites that were more reading than what middle level students probably need. And so that's one thing that we looked at was we need to find different sources. And that's when we found the Girls Education Initiative and things like that. So that is the big, big part of it is finding the resources.
2: Yeah, Girl Up was another one that was really helpful for us. And I think that was by the United Nations Um, foundation as well. And so really, the UN has some great, great resources. I think it's really hard. Like you said, Michael, even for teachers, sometimes to identify the right resources. And I know like before, when we did the original poster in 2016, and then we wrote the article in 2017, some of the websites were gone or stuff had changed. And it was just, it was really difficult. And I'm finding with my pre-service teachers too, that it can be hard to identify what is a good resource. and And then you also, with a topic like this, you also have the idea of student maturity and it being a difficult issue to talk about. There's stuff on violence and menstruation and all sorts of topics that you just have to know your students for so i think carolyn was definitely right evaluating resources was is key
0: and in this case you primarily pulled from different reports and articles you were able to find right and then you looked for little quotes that would allow students to get into that i think that would be challenging is to go through that i often think in terms of finding sites with primary sources you know but for a more current issue this probably makes a lot more sense
3: Right. If you're doing, you know, I do inquiry with students with historical topics as well, and then, you know, Library of Congress, National Archives, and things like that, but the contemporary issues aren't really going to show up there as much. And so, like we said, the UN has some really great resources, and so we've started to really use them when we focus on human rights or the Convention on Rights of the Child.
0: Well, it just sounds like an absolutely fantastic lesson. I highly recommend, again, that people go and check out the January, February issue of middle level learning where this inquiry takes up most of the issue. So there's some other stuff in there, but that's most of what it is. And so definitely go and check that out. Again, the article is titled The Global Challenge to Equal Access for Girls to an Education, an Investigation Using Inquiry. So thank you so much to both of you for sharing all your knowledge and wisdom and for writing this great article.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So, Carolyn, Heather, where can our listeners find you or your work online or in other spaces?
2: So, I have published before in Social Studies in the Young Learner, and then this in Middle Level Learning. I don't really have a website or anything, so finding me through some NCSS stuff.
3: Same here, um, mostly through NCSS stuff, and like we said, we are presenting at NCSS again this year, so we'll hopefully turn that one into an article as
2: well. Nice.
0: Well, we are looking forward to seeing you there. We are committed to being there and we'll probably do a wrap-up of NCSS session, so maybe we can catch you again there and get a little update on your work.
2: Sounds good. Sounds good.
0: All right. Dan do we have like something big to tell people? We do have something big to tell people. Really? So here we at the Visions of Education podcast, we are now officially partnering. We've been partnering with the National Council for the Social Studies and with Theory and Research in Social Education, which is the, supported by Kufa for a few years now, and they are now going to sponsor us. We're excited about that. that. So at the Visions of Education podcast, we are all about sharing the learning. If you're doing something fun, creative, and education, hit
1: us up at Visions of Ed. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Visions of Education on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere you'd like us to be.
0: And if you write us a five-star review, then we will read it on the air. It's really easy. Just Go into Apple Podcasts, search for our podcast, and you just kind of scroll down, and it allows you to click five stars there and you can add a review. So please do that. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Kretka. And I'm at 42 Think Deep. Until next time, this is the Visions of Education Podcast, signing off.